feel like I have a bit of a payload to deliver over the next 30 minutes. Um, I'm a little excited about if that's all right with you, and even if it's not all right with you, I'm still feeling that way anyway. Luke chapter 16, if you have a Bible, why don't you, uh, why don't you go there? I'm going to start there and um, kind of build from there as well. Um, this is part two of what I did last week. I didn't necessarily set up last week, you know, although I thought I was a little suspicious there may have been a part two, and lo and behold, out pops part two. Um, as many of you know, we are right in the middle of doing um, the... I didn't know it was funny yet. Um, uh, we're right in the middle of doing this Destiny Alignment and Activation Program, and there is, um, there is a whole pack of you doing that, following a whole lot of content through. Um, that is really, really exciting. And one of the things that we said right at the beginning of that program and I mentioned last week is the really important thing in discovering your kingdom destiny is we need to have a kingdom paradigm that's at the foundation of all of that. And if you've grown up in church or been in church a while, there's a fair chance that your paradigm is more based in what I call a church-based paradigm rather than a kingdom-based paradigm. And we unpacked that a little bit last week. So if you weren't here last week, it's up on the podcast. Um, it went up a little late this week because the people involved with doing that have been quite ill. Um, but it is up and it is live. So if you haven't heard it or haven't seen it, it is up there. And I encourage you to grab a hold of that. Luke chapter 16 and verse 16. This is a really critical scripture to understand as a foundation of destiny. Otherwise we are going to take recourse to the wrong spirit in order to walk out our destiny. And that's kind of not a good thing to do, I would suggest. If you're wondering what I mean by that, hold on, strap yourself in, you're about to find out. So this is Jesus talking, because it's in red, so we know it's him, or at least it is in my Bible. <clears throat> and it says, The law and the prophets prophesied until John. That is a really critical statement right there. The law and the prophets prophesied until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. Luke 16, 16. Babe. <laughs> so what does this mean? So the law and the prophets, let, let, let's... Think about them for a moment. The law and the prophets carried a particular prophetic message. And that prophetic message was essentially, God is a long way away from you because of your sin. Because of your brokenness, your fallenness, God is a long way away from you. And unless you turn and repent, He will stay a long way away from you and you a long way away from Him and bad things will happen to you. That's a summary of the entire law and the prophets right there. You're welcome. <laughs> do you really want me to say it again? Or did... Yes, you do. So the message of the law and the prophets was, God is a long way away from you because of your sin, your failure, your imperfection even. God is a long, long way away from you. And unless you turn and repent, He'll remain a long way away from you and bad things will come upon you. Plagues, locusts, people with bad breath and the like. I'm sure that's in there somewhere. 
So that was the message. That was essentially the message of the law and the prophets. And if you read through all of the law and all of the prophets, that is essentially the, the vibe or the spirit that you will continually find. God is a long way away from you because of your sin. But what Jesus is saying here is, at John, something happened. Because it says, until. That word until is a very, very important word. It's really important there. It's really important in the book of Galatians as well. I probably won't go there. Um, I wasn't planning to even mention that. And now it's come out of my mouth and I'm scared. (laughs) Um, Because I know how much time I have and I know what I'm trying to achieve. So let's stick with this. The word until is very important. So the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Now, the basic definition of the word until means there's an end point. In other words, the law and the prophets was proclaimed until John. In other words, John was the last of the Old Testament prophets. In other words, at John, an era ended and a new era began. And where that era changed, the message changed. In other words, there is no longer an anointing on the message that says God is a long way away from you because of your sin. Now, if you've been around church a while, that's a little bit of a scary statement because I've heard that message an awful lot. That God is a long, long way away from you because of your sin. I've heard that an awful lot. I've heard it from a lot of pulpits. May have even preached it myself in years gone by if I was to be a tad honest. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Apologies to those who have been around me a long time. It's amazing how one's theology develops as you actually read the Bible. Um, (laughs) So that message stopped at John and a new message came. And that message, and it says, from then on, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is being proclaimed or being preached or being prophesied and everyone is trying to force their way into it. Now, what does this look like? See, it's critical that we understand that the message has changed because if we go out still trying to preach that same message, I've walked through Pitt Street Mall many times in the city in recent days and that message is still being proclaimed loud and proud by some pretty cranky preachers in Pitt Street Mall, right in the middle of our city. Do you feel an anointing on that? Well, you might. Um, I just question where that anointing is from, but that, more of that soon, maybe. So given that, given Jesus said, now it's an absolute landmark of a statement that the message has fundamentally changed from the Old Testament to the New. In other words, it doesn't look like, it doesn't look like it used to. Yeah, whoever wrote Hebrews says that the new covenant is not like the old. Galatians, I've said it now, <laughs> says that the law was added until. In other words, there was a place for the law and the prophets, but that place has now ended. And now there is a new message and it's called the kingdom of God. And we saw that last week. We saw that Jesus, both Jesus and John the Baptist went around proclaiming the kingdom of God. Let's have a look at the book of Acts. There's a couple of places. I want to look at what Philip preached and what Paul preached in the book of Acts. And we will see something very interesting if you grew up with the message that I grew up with. So Acts chapter 8, verse 12. If you want to follow along, feel free. Um, Acts chapter 8. 
and verse 12. So this is in the city of Samaria. Philip, as he's known, Philip the evangelist, came preaching. And what did he preach? And it says, but when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, interesting statement there. It's not the last time we're going to see it. The good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. So what we can see is Paul preached about the kingdom. Now, did he preach about Jesus? Yes, of course he did. But as the church, we have been taught to preach Jesus, and I'm not suggesting we stop, just in case you're wondering, just in case anyone's heresy meter's going off. But what I'm suggesting is we've limited our message, like I said last week, to a gospel of salvation message when the gospel of the kingdom is far bigger. And it locks us into a mode and a paradigm of operating that is way, way smaller than what Jesus has anointed for the new covenant. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19. So, the, and now we're answering, what did Paul preach? Now, Paul was the one who in Corinthians, who said to the Corinthian church, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I've heard that verse quoted so often throughout my life that we should determine to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And that essentially that was Paul's message, that I determined to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. But let's see if that was actually true. I'm not saying that verse isn't true. I'm just saying it has a context that we miss. So Acts chapter 19, verse 8. <laughs> Treading on some interesting territory. Acts chapter 19, verse 8. So this is Paul in the city of Ephesus, one of his greatest missionary exploits. So it says, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for about three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Boom. Now, just in case you're thinking, well, that's one verse. Let's jump to Acts 20. Still in Ephesus. And he is speaking to the elders of the Ephesian church as he's about to take off. And he says, Acts chapter 20, verses 24 to 26. So in the middle of his speech to the Ephesian elders, he says, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now listen to what he says. Now I know that none among you whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Now he's saying to the Ephesian elders, you're not going to see me again. I'm heading off to Jerusalem. I may well die there, is essentially what he's saying. And he was willing to. Um. But what he's saying is that I have gone about, what is the message I had among you? I went about preaching the kingdom among you. Now, let's go to Acts chapter 28. And we're going to look at verse 23 and verse 31. So again, Paul is telling his story. So it says, they arranged to meet Paul on a certain day and came in in even larger numbers to the place where he was staying. From morning till evening, he explained and declared to them the kingdom of God and tried to convince them about Jesus from the law of Moses and the prophets. Do you see that both and there again? 
And we've been led to believe essentially that Paul determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him. You know, he just preached Jesus and the cross and nothing else. And so every conversation we have to have has to mention Jesus or the cross or we're not preaching the gospel that Paul preached. Not so. Verse 31. Again, following on the same story. And it says, Boldly and without hindrance, Paul preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Interesting. So what, what was with that verse in Corinthians where it says, I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. The key word there is you, Corinthians. In other words, he said, my strategy among you, Corinthians, because this was a letter written to the Corinthians. We often forget that the New Testament letters are written to a specific group of people in a specific situation. And if we don't understand the context in which he's writing, we're going to misinterpret what he's saying. And he said to the Corinthians, remember the Corinthians had a knack of getting into some pretty hairy doctrine around some really interesting spiritual experiences that if I had a higher experience or higher knowledge than you, I was better than you. I was more spiritual than you. And they were kind of competing about their spirituality. And so Paul says, among you, you guys that are going for that whole false wisdom thing, that whole knowledge, Gnostic, you know, higher experience thing, among you, I kept it to Christ and Him crucified because we had to get the core right. That was his strategy among the Corinthians. It wasn't his entire strategy, is what I'm saying. So in other words, I'm not blowing away that verse and saying it's wrong. I'm saying that was his strategy to the Corinthians because of what was going on there. It wasn't his entire strategy. Now, why am I banging on about this? Why is this important? Because this, ha- this to me has absolutely monumental implications in terms of the message we carry out to the world, in terms of the way that we outwalk our destiny. And the point I wanted to make there was what they did was they bought and preached the kingdom. They didn't just preach the cross. Okay, they didn't just preach a gospel of salvation from a church-based paradigm that said, you need to repent. God's a long way, along, a long way off because of your sin. You need to repent and come to church. I mean, come to God. <laughs> Does that make sense? In other words, the gospel of the kingdom was, was much broader and bigger than the gospel of salvation. It contains the gospel of salvation. Let's be clear about that. But what they bought was something much, much bigger. So what are the implications of this? So if I am living under a gospel of salvation paradigm, which is essentially the message of the gospel is Jesus in the cross and our need for salvation, then if I get God in my life, if I get God in my life, how will you experience me? What will you be experiencing from me? Well, my experience has been under that paradigm, when I get God in my life, you will start to experiencing me challenging your behavior. You'll start to experiencing me challenging your morals, your lifestyle. You might hear me telling you that the life that you're living is wrong. You might hear me telling you that you need to repent because that is essentially the gospel under which I've been Bought into and know. That is the paradigm through which I'm seeing the world. You with me so far? So that's what you might experience of me. Now, if you've ever been in a situation where you haven't been saved and someone is doing that to you, how's that feel? Unless you're right in that desperate moment where you're saying, please tell me, what's that like? It feels judgmental. It feels arrogant, even, I would, I would dare say. It doesn't kind of create a context in which I feel like, wow, I need to be around you a whole lot more. 
And then we walk away going, well, I'm being persecuted for righteousness sake. That was kind of half funny in my mind, but sort of not really. Um, It really does, I know. It's a bit like Jerry Seinfeld's humour, it's too close to the bone. (laughs) Now, under a gospel of the kingdom paradigm, which we started to unpack last week, and we can see not only is it in, in Jesus' ministry, but it's also in the book of Acts in terms of what Philip and what Paul preached. The paradigm isn't getting you to church. The paradigm is getting heaven on earth. Okay, so when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the paradigm of the gospel of the kingdom, is bringing heaven to earth. Now, let me ask you this question. It's not a trick question. Is heaven better than earth? Okay, this side of the room says yes. What does this side of the room say? Is heaven better than earth? Yeah, okay. So, if heaven comes into a person's situation, will that make their life better or will it make it worse? One would hope so. One would hope so. Now, here's the key. Under the gospel of salvation paradigm, I am the bringer of a message. And that message may bring annoyance and agitation to your day. Yeah, at the right time, it may bring salvation to your day. That's a good day. And that's the key, at the right time. But when the only tool in your toolkit is a hammer, you seem to see everything as a nail. (laughs) Okay? When I only have one strategy... When I only have one tool in my toolkit, when the problem is a nail, it's awesome. (laughs) But when someone's not wanting to be nailed, (laughs) that wasn't prepared, that just came out, Um, as you can clearly tell. Um, (laughs) When the problem's not a nail, it just creates holes and damage. So am I the bringer of a message or am I the carrier of a kingdom? This is the key. See, under a gospel of salvation paradigm, I'm the bringer of a message. And unless I get that message across, I'm not an effective witness. In a paradigm of the kingdom, as we said last week, is a much broader kind of deal. I'm actually the carrier of another world. I'm the carrier of another realm or another reality. And my aim is to get that realm on you. That, that's a whole different ballgame. So if I'm operating under a paradigm of the kingdom with the aim to bring heaven to earth, with the aim to bring heaven to you, then the way that you're going to experience me is the moment I walk in the room, things just got a whole lot better. Things got a whole lot more possible. I'm able to see a whole lot more clearer than I could before. See, because the king of this kingdom is called the desire of nations. And our biggest problem, as you've heard many times before, is presenting him authentically. Because when we present him authentically, people naturally desire him. You know, all the criminals and the drunkards of the day wanted to be around Jesus. Because he carried another reality. Now, at the right time, in the right place, under the anointing of the Spirit, he said some pretty amazing stuff. And he said some pretty confronting stuff. But he did what he was seeing the father do. Rather than, I got my hammer, who's next? (laughs) 
So we serve the world by bringing the kingdom of heaven, which is meant to make their world tangibly better. It's meant to bring them into upgrade. It's meant to help them see when they couldn't see before, whether it's a breakthrough business idea, whether it's a strategy for life, whether they get healed emotionally, they get healed physically, they get strategies or care or compassion or ways to heal their broken relationships, ways to, to bring back that son or that daughter who is you know, in rebellion, whatever it is, when we walk in carrying the kingdom, a whole lot more is possible. Is this making sense? Now, we're going to kind of more specifically bring this into your destiny in a moment. But one of the best examples I can see in Scripture in this, and you've probably heard me talk about it many times before, is when the Ark of the Covenant comes into the house of Obed-Edom in 2 Samuel chapter 6. So the Ark of God had been among the Philistines. It had got lost because, if you remember the story, someone had touched the Ark and got absolutely fried. And they just went, this is too hard. And so the ark went off to the Philistines. But when it was among the Philistines, who were not the people of God, they got boils and tumours and all sorts of bad stuff and people with bad breath, I'm sure. Um, But when it came, when the ark, which represented the presence of God, came into the house of a godly person named Obed-Edom, everything in his household flourished and prospered. Now imagine if you're his next door neighbour. Imagine... Watching, the moment this thing comes into his house, everything changes. He's blessed. He's favoured. Would, would, would that kingdom that that ark is carrying not become a tad attractive? Under a gospel of salvation paradigm, we want people to see the light. You need to see the light. Now, light is good. Once again, don't hear me wrong. Light is good. But let me ask you this. What is the purpose of light? Okay, so the purpose of the light is not so that you can see the light. The purpose of the light is so you can see. I know this is deep, right? So this is a critical difference between gospel of salvation and gospel of the king. Because in gospel of salvation, we turn on the light and we go, look at the light. Sorry, that just kind of, I did that and it, I now can't see real well. <laughs> um, when we bring in the kingdom, all of a sudden people can see. In other words, the cloud of confusion, the fog in which they're living their life because the lights aren't switched on, all of a sudden becomes clear because you just walked into their world, carrying the kingdom, carrying the realm of reality that they need in their situation. So one of the tangible benefits of the kingdom coming is that people can actually see clearly now. They can see the reality of their situation. The fog lifts and all of a sudden, oh my goodness, I can see clearly. I know exactly what I need to do. And whether that's what do I do with my business, whether that is what do I do with my marriage, what do I do with my kids, what do I do in my job? All of a sudden, we who bring revelation, illumination, light, walk into their world, click, oh my gosh, I can see. Why is it that when you're here, I can see? And when you're not here, it's not so easy. 
What have you got? See, if Jesus is the desire of nations, it shouldn't rely on us winning the logical argument in order to get them in. Because he's innately desirable. And in the gospel of the kingdom, our aim is to carry that kingdom as a spiritual reality that suddenly opens their eyes. Bingo. So they actually come into an encounter, not just a mental ascent to some kind of reality. Um, John 8.32, favourite. You will know the truth, the truth will set you free. That word truth, we've typically talked about that as doctrinal truth. It's actually not what the word means. Um, Greek word, aletheia. It means actuality or reality. In other words, you will see reality as it really is and that reality will set you free. In other words, flick on the light, you'll see reality as it is and you will come into freedom. See, that's the nature of the gospel of the kingdom. Now, when the light's on, I'm a heck of a lot more likely to see the source of the light, yeah? (laughs) But we are often in the gospel of salvation mindset. We make the goal, see the light source. As distinct from, let's just switch on the light so they can see and let's see what they see. Because then all of a sudden, people start inviting themselves to church. (laughs) So I said, what experience when I was in hospital? I didn't even put the idea in my roommate's head And after a week of being together in that room and him experiencing God, him experiencing prophetic words from a whole lot of you guys, he said, I'm coming to your church. Basically, try and stop me. He's still in rehab. That's why he hasn't been here yet because he had back surgery. But he even messaged me about a week and a half ago and said, I'm still coming. When I get out of here, I'm coming. Didn't have to invite him. Because he's like, what is it with you guys? What have you got? How do you know that about me? How do you see that? Where do you get this wisdom from? I can see when I'm around you. That's the idea. So you will get in touch with reality and that, re- that will set you free. Now, your destiny, your individual destiny, what does it look like for the kingdom to come through you? Because God has wired you in a particular way with a particular set of skills, a particular set of giftings, a particular set of anointings, a particular personality that makes some things really easy for you. That other people go, how do you do that? And you kind of go, I just, I don't know, it's just what I do. There is an indication of a part of the anointing that is on your life. Well, what are the things that come to you easily? What are the things that you see easily? What are the things that you do really easily? For some people, you walk into a room and you just can't help but encourage people. You don't even think about it, you just do it. All of a sudden, when you're around, things get happier. Just a thought, maybe that's God. And maybe if you steward that really well and really intentionally, the anointing will increase on it. Because not only will you encourage people naturally, but when you start to encourage people supernaturally, that's a whole other level. See, maybe you get insight into business stuff, into, into structures in particular areas of business, particular areas of finance. There are people I know that just get the realm of finance in a way like that, that is freaky, but it's an anointing. 
it comes to them easily and submitted and surrendered to the presence of God, all of a sudden, they start to unlock economies. You see, we, we often think of getting people saved and getting to the church. What would it look like to heal an economy of a nation? What, what would that do to a nation locked in poverty to actually heal its economy? When, um, when you read Deuteronomy 28, um, where it you know, essentially is all the blessings of the kingdom, you know, you'll be blessed. Actually, I wasn't planning to go there, but I have at least three minutes. And I think I can find it in that long. Deuteronomy chapter 28. The blessings for obedience. This is a little rabbit one, but I like it. So basically it says, if you obey the Lord and carefully follow his commandments, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you. It says, you'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be best. The crops of your land will be best. The young of your livestock, the calves of your herd, the lambs of your flocks, your basket and your kneading trough. Yes, bless your kneading trough. You sit there and go, oh yes, I need to get me one of those. <laughs> I need one of those. Ha ha, there it was. Neat. That was a like play on words, double meaning joke. Um, you will bless going out, bless coming in. What were all of those things? <laughs> all of those things were the tenets of their economy. They were an agricultural economy. Every one of those things that he mentions that are going to be blessed were all tenets of the economy of, of, of Israel. And essentially he said to the children of Israel, you'll be immune to the economies of the world around you because I'm going to bless the tenets of your economy. Does that make sense? Now, all of that was coming out of some people have eyes to see that and see it really clearly. And they have anointings to see, um, you know, where markets are going to go and, and therefore come into a realm of dominion over finance. That's actually where we're meant to be. We're not meant to serve it. Okay, that, here endeth the rabbit warren. Some people see, just can see into emotional scenarios. Some can see into physical sickness. Um, some can see into relational structures and relational issues. Um, some can see into like technical things. Don't ever underestimate how God can use techo stuff. You know, Silicon Valley, where Silicon Valley is right now in San Francisco, that whole strip where, where all of these inventions and things that rock the world come from used to be a centre of full-blown revival. So that land in which Silicon Valley is on was a centre of full-blown revival that touched the nations of the earth many, many years ago. Now, is it a centre of revival like we understand church now? No. But what do you think it was that opened up the portals of heaven over that place and allowed all these creative ideas to come and touch the nations of the earth from that geographical location? It's not a coincidence. And one day, it's coming back so that everyone knows and understands. One day, Hollywood, because Los Angeles was the home of the Azusa Street Revival. So that is a city that's meant to touch the nations of the world. And it does touch the nations of the world just on the whole with a different anointing at the moment. But there are movies that are coming out of there that are starting to shift stuff. People who have insight into stuff. Yeah, you know, if you see what's coming out of Disney, at times, not everything, but some of the things that come out of there, man, there are some spiritual people in there. I can guarantee it. Some of them may know it and some of them may not. 
I know that one of the people behind Finding, finding Nemo was a full-on spirit-filled Christian. Okay, Rabbit Warren. Here's the point. Do not underestimate anything, any kind of ability, any kind of insight that you have. Because so often, Jesus says, what's in your hand? Give it to me and watch what I will do with it. Because you don't have insight for no reason. You don't have passions in certain areas for no reason. And where you have passions, you learn very, very quickly. It's a neurological truth. Where you're passionate, you learn easily. You learn quickly. The word desire or desire literally means of the Father. Day means of, sire means Father. The word desire literally means of the Father. That's free. You can have that. So, all of those things are indicators of how the kingdom flows through you easily. They're not just natural abilities. They're actually hard wirings from heaven when bought under the fire hose of the Spirit, it breaks through stuff. It opens stuff up. It creates possibilities for people that they never had before. Whether that be in your workplace, whether that be in your family, your home, among your friends, um, in places socially, we are meant to be the ones that switch on the light. So that all of a sudden, what is it when I'm around you? Everything gets a whole lot clearer. But where are the areas you bring that clarity? I've, I, know, I know where mine are. I know, I know where I can walk in and switch on a light in a minute or less or, even a, or, or a second. I know what that is for me. And, I lo- and they're all the areas that I, I love and find hilariously fun. And other people go, what on earth? That and I'm like, bring it on. When people are in, in grief, anxiety, sadness, depression, I'm like, that's where I do my best work. Bring it on. And everyone else goes, What? Can't help it. That's just one part. And when you see it, you can get the kingdom that's in you on them. See, that is the essence of your destiny, is to take the kingdom of God that is within you and to get it all over them. Release it. Take the world that's in here, get it all over everybody around you, and it'll be in the areas that flow easily for you. Are we making some sense here? Okay, let's stand. I want to pray some stirring. But here's the thing we've got to understand. If you want to carry a message that said, God's a long way away from you because of your sin, you're going to have to take recourse to a different spirit to get an anointing for that message because that is not the message that the, kingdom, that, that the Father is on anymore. Are we really clear about that? You'll have to take course to a religious, legalistic spirit to get anointing and authority for that message because there's no authority on that message anymore. We are bringers of the goodness of God. We are bringers of heaven and we already agreed that heaven is better than earth. So when heaven comes to earth, we are going to serve people by tangibly making their life better. So let's put our hands out right now. I mean that in an invitational way, even though it sounded very dictatorial. (laughs) (laughs) Father, right now, I want to pray stirring. I speak a stirring of our spirits. I speak a stirring of our hearts. 
I release a spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might see clearly how you have wired us, that, we, that, that it might come to us clearly. Oh, I see that. Oh, I see that. And it may be related to your occupation or it may be completely separate to it. Actually, right now, your occupation is, is kind of irrelevant. And sometimes after things like this, people go and change their occupation. <laughs> That's okay. But I speak revelation and stirring of passions. Stirring of passions. What are the things that make you come alive? What are the things when you read about or hear about or see that cause you to just lose time? It's like, what have I been here an hour? Whoops, I was meant to pick up the kids from school. I'm not suggesting you do that, but you get the idea. What are the things that make you lose time? They're an indicator because when you lose time, you've stepped into heaven time You've actually stepped into an eternal portal in that moment. Okay, it's not just a brain phase. You're actually stepped into a spiritual reality. You actually stepped into eternity where there is no time. Keep it stirring, Father. God, where there are passions, where there are desires, where there are areas that we, we just get it, we just have insight, that we've kind of put to the side and kind of gone, well, that doesn't fit with my hammer. God, we take them off the shelf and we just give you permission to talk to us about it. The, the creative stuff on some of us that we think is a little bit loopy or a little bit crazy, well, wouldn't it be just like God who created giraffes and echidnas to put something on you that's just a little bit crazy and left of center. <laughs> I think that would be just like him. God, where there is stuff that we have discounted, we undiscount it. <laughs> and we say, Father, here is what is in our hands. We submit it to you. Would you put your kingdom reality, would you put your kingdom power on the things that are in my hands? Would you awaken me afresh to how you have created, to how you have hardwired me. And then give me heaven's strategies of how to get that all over the people I come across. Give me divine appointments with people who need what I carry. Start to order our world, start to order our days in ways that are outside of our control to bring us across people who need what we carry. And then imagine what it's like to have a whole community of people doing that. Imagine what it would be like to have pockets of the people of God all over our city doing that day in, day out. When all of a sudden, big employers start to realize, man, when we hire these Christians, something happens. I don't know what it is, but... Bring them, give me more of them. That actually happened in the city of Reading where businesses started saying, give us Bethel students because when they're in our building, better stuff happens. Our business gets prospered. Stir us, Father, stir us, stir us. Do not let us walk away from here just like another meeting or just like another service. 
because this is the season of our upgrade. This is the season of us stepping into the fullness of who you have created us to be. So we say yes. We say yes. We say yes. In Jesus' name. Now, I dare, if you need to go, you're free to go. We're officially done. But I want to, and if you don't need to go, I just dare you in the nicest, most inviting way. Just turn to someone around you and just pray that stirring over them. Put your hand on them appropriately and just pray, God, stir up their hearts, stir up their passions, stir up the fire. On your marks, get set, go. Bless you.